Hey, it's Kim from the Conscious Kitchen podcast, where we mix healing and vulnerability into a spicy soup of nail-biting conversations. Join me this season because we're healing no matter what the fuck happens. Hello, hello, Chris. Welcome to the Conscious Kitchen podcast. How are you feeling this Wednesday morning? Oh my God, I'm so excited. Thank you guys for both having me. So cool. Of course. I just definitely, I first of all, love your work. The minute um, our mutual friend had sent me your work, I was like, oh my goodness, I need to connect with Chris. Chris had interviewed someone that I deeply adore and love and was like, okay, Chris is on the vibe. I definitely need to chat with him. Um, And so I wanted to ask, first and foremost, tell me a little bit about your empowerment journey and how it's, you know, how it's evolved into coaching and coaching others. Tell me a little bit about that. Yes. Um, So for as much as I can remember, let's just say the last seven to eight years, I've been on a spiritual awakening journey. And I feel like prior to that, I, you know, kind of did the traditional, (laughs) traditional what you do, you go to college, you, um, you know, you start your professional career. And I was really entrenched in, in that. And obviously, like, built my whole identity around being an entrepreneur and, um, you know, just what I felt like who I was supposed to be in the world. And then um, about seven years ago, all of that started to dissolve, I started to really feel in the deep, deep parts of my soul that there was something more for me. And, you know, I really went into that um, self-discovery and really that deep questioning of, of what I'm here to do and, you know, figure out my purpose. I think that that's another way that people see it, right? Or, or your calling. And so as I've been on that journey, I've, I've been able to see that uh, nothing's wasted. Every chapter of your life is so connected. And so now what, what I'm here to do is to really bring uh, all aspects, whether it's through my art, uh, business, or activism in, in this holistic um, process of, of, of expanding more love consciousness to the world. And so that naturally led me to the self-development space and, and coaching and empowering others around the world. So that's, yeah, so that's kind of what happened. I love that. And I'm so curious because you mentioned just like going through this moment of, you know, discovering yourself, asking yourself these questions beyond maybe your conventional way of living and then realizing, okay, holy shit, I have a greater purpose. Um, How was that journey for you? Honestly, it's hard. Like I know that some of us that are on this journey are, are healing generational stuff, stuff that, you know, isn't really ours. It's collective. It's, um, and so for me, obviously in my personal life, being a queer person of color, you know, really healing and and integrating parts of myself that, you know, five-year-old Chris, my inner child didn't get to feel. Actually, I just uh, saw the Broadway show of Aladdin and that was like so healing for my inner child because Aladdin was my first crush as a kid. <laughs> and so like, yeah, I know. So, I mean, there's there's parts of, 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 of really coming into, I know you're on the same process, Kim, like uh, of really healing the parts of us and, 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 um, and being conscious of, of what patterns we want to carry on into, you know, the next season of our lives. And so I think for me, it, it was a lot of grief. It was a lot of like, what's the point? A lot of apathy, just, you know, and, and that sort of uh, numbness, then it, it's almost like that's where the light enters. And that's where when you're in that for, a, you know, a set amount of time, 
you, 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 you almost get cracked open by the divine. And I think that that's really what happened to me. Yeah. And, you know, for people who are like listening in and these are people who are skeptical, because I know I definitely was on like that other end where I was like, what is manifestation? What the hell is inner child healing? Like, what are all these terms that people in the spiritual community seem to be talking about a lot? But I myself am kind of skeptical. Can you give like a short definition (laughs) in the best way that you can of like, what is manifestation or inner child healing for beginners or skeptics? Yeah, I would say manifestation. Um, Actually, what's so interesting is that in the last year, it went 800% uh, increase in search results on Google. And how I see what manifestation is, is conscious reality creation. And so what happens is enlightenment is a shift in body identification or ego identification to spirit identification. So you realize that you're a soul in this meat suit. <laughs> Mine is just my avatar's name's Chris. You all are gorgeous, Kim and Laura. Like, so you're in this avatar and um, we're not human beings uh, having a spiritual experience. We're spiritual beings having a human experience. And so when you... When you shift into this identity of pure consciousness, what you realize is that you're no longer the actor in the play of life. You're actually the writer, director, and producer. And so you are consciously creating or manifesting your life. And I think the the thing that people think with manifesting is that it's just this, oh, I'm manifesting my desires. No, we are always manifesting. The the I, I for being a minority, being a queer person, it's like all of the conditioning that I absorbed as a kid created, you know, was the filter through which I had to experience my life until I was like, no, I I want to live through the lens of I'm enough or I'm worthy, not of Mm -hmm. I'm less than, right? And so um, I would say in the simplest terms, that manifestation is really conscious reality creation. And then once you enter into higher levels of consciousness, you're, you become, more attuned to, hey, that thought doesn't serve me. That identity doesn't serve me. Those money wounds or, you know, that the karma of my parents and, you know, that that past experience no longer is the identity that I want to withhold, uphold within the world as a leader, right? And so um, there's that. And then inner child healing for me, um, I've gone through many different processes, like not only just spiritual modalities, but therapy, And just um, there's this Mm -hmm. process called IFS therapy that I work with my therapist on, which is called internal family systems. And essentially what happens is when we're wounded as children, we a part of us is fragmented. So um, it can be something as simple as like, you know, a parent telling you not to speak um, or, you know, you being shamed for, you know, for me as a kid, like if I was like liking Barbies or things like that, that didn't happen to me. But if that could happen to somebody, you know, I think my, my form of that was like, oh, being conscious of like, oh, boys have to dress like this. So I can't express myself. I should wear like blue and black, not like pink and purple, which is what I wanted to wear. So it's that, um, we have these fractured parts of us. And so essentially as a child, when you absorb the shock of those negative emotions and experiences, they, they don't have the tools to, to process their emotions. And so all of those emotions get stuck in us, which is repressed emotional energy. And 
essentially when you come into a spiritual awakening process, it's like opening the Pandora's box and all of your unfelt emotions for like three <laughs> decades, or for me, it was like three and a half decades of, of um, pain that I hadn't felt. And so healing that inner child is really becoming loving awareness and witnessing the pain of your past and not to live there, not to stay in that depression, but to turn that pain into a purpose and to uh, transcend it. Ooh, I love that. That's so spicy. And I, and literally same, like I am in the beginning of my spiritual awakening journey. And I literally, to what you said, felt like I opened Pandora's box and I'm like, what is this? And so thank you for explaining that. And I also wanted to pivot to like being a business owner um, because, you know, as a spiritually conscious business owner, entrepreneur, um, there is a lot that we go through, a lot of these lessons that we learned. And I wanted to ask, how did you, you know, utilize manifestation or, you know, your healing journey to now work with clients or whenever business gets really like rough, your shadows start showing up. How do you use manifestation to uncover those blocks? Yes. Oh my God. Thank you for asking this question. I think this is so, so interesting. And I think what we have to see is that we're on a page turn in the sense that when people were talking about mental health, like, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, it was still taboo to go to therapy. It was one of those things where it's like, oh, you have to have real bad mental issues instead of the fact that like therapy is like gym, like millennials and Gen Z knows that like, you know, they need that maintenance, right? Um, and that outlet. So Harvard researchers have now just recently released this study that shows that 40% of Americans, adult Americans have experienced spiritual awakening symptoms which translates to 100 million Americans. And that is things like, wow. you know, spiritual depression or grief or, you know, some sort of mental, emotional pain that, you know, we can clinicalize and say that these are all like mental issues or emotional issues, but deep within us, there, there are spiritual issues. The part of us that's like, you know what? Fuck this job. I don't want to do this anymore. Or, you know, I actually want to do my passion. Like, those are those like that dark night of the soul that people are experiencing. Mm -hmm. Not only have these Harvard researchers um, also started to see is that spiritual health is so is critically important, not to just chronic disease, but overall holistic health. So we're going to see this page turn um, almost this movement as more people are awakening in consciousness, there's spiritual TikTok now, you know, and so it's like manifestation TikTok. So People, this is now going to come online where, you know, even startups, um, some of the newer ones, they're, um, they're adding healthcare benefits above and beyond, including things like wellness coaching, meditation, things like that. So it's all going to become this next uh, setup and stage. But similar to people, even like, um, let's say Henry Ford, who's mentioned in the book, Think and Grow Rich, or um, Steve Jobs, who is a yogi. Um, using the tools of higher consciousness in business is is not something um, new per se, um, but maybe it's just not something mainstream. And so essentially um, how I like to see it is that as you as you step into this identity of of who you are here to be in the world, the truth of who you are, not the conditioned uh, limitations that they put on women or people of color or minorities or whatever, right? You're stepping into the truth of what, who your soul is called to be. 
in doing so, what, what happens is that you start to dissolve all of those skins that tell you that you can't be or that you're not enough. Or I, I call it um, the emotional sig signature of of shame is 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 not receiving, and so that's those are we're we're basically relinquishing the blocks of shame in order to step into the true identity. And business owners, I think business leaders are the new spiritual leaders because enterprise, in my opinion, is the only thing that can actually impact uh, society in a in a in a tangible way that's sustaining. Um, as we know, uh, in living in a capitalistic society. And so I think when you can merge some of those spiritual values, uh, the social impact values and all of that, um, there's a lot of data that shows that even businesses now, um, I'm a partner in a venture capital fund, it, all unconscious capitalism, that businesses that are gender diverse or ethnically diverse or have governance that are that's that's based on values and ethics and morals, which Again, we can't. We won't talk about capitalism here, our current state. But the businesses outperform by at least thirty percent or more in returns. So mm -hmm. this is this is the type of thing is that if you are rotten from within, um, it doesn't matter what will happen. Like that on an individual level, that will project outwards as within, so without. And so if a business is rotten from within, or the leadership or whatever is corrupt, it's going to uh, manifest. Um, outside of it in the same same manner. So I think for me, there was this um, there was this reconciliation of trying to understand, okay, how do I become successful but still do it on my own terms? And I think really that's that's for me where purpose is so critically important because oftentimes, you know, we're seduced by by our society to pursue based on, trying to earn money or we think that this is what we have to do in order to have abundance and we're again it's such an alluring narrative I, I fell into it as well but I think when you can tap into your soul's blueprint of who you are meant to be uh, abundance can be unlocked based on your authenticity and so I think the people that we see that are very successful in business there's two things that are happening one there there's an authentic alignment with who they get to be every day in their business uh, which is what's cultivating the love within them. And so as they're able, to, uh, they're just basically expanding more love energy or love consciousness in their business. And then uh, that translates into more energy, which is money. Woo, Chris, felt that. Super yes. hard. guys. This is Laura, co-hosting with yeah. the incredible Kim, Syra, and Chris. Wow. I mean, yeah, I, I totally resonate with you. And I just feel that. And you see that like through, you know, businesses are like either in startup mode or, you know, people are the great resignation that's been going on for the past several mm. like years now. And, you know, I mean, to, I would love to know more about you because you are a pop star, you do music, you, you are an empowerment coach. Like what is your secret sauce on why you're different from, you know, other, other healers, other empowerment coaches, because not not everyone is a singer, a pop star, like hanging out with Paris Hilton. Like, tell us about tell us about that whole realm of your life. Yes. Oh my God. Thank you. Um, you know, and I I feel like this is a very new part of my life where, because of the healing work that I've done on a on an in, internal level, I've I've I feel like I can now more comprehensively connect all all sides of who Chris is. 
And I think that most people have this issue where uh, we feel like we have to be segments of who we are, right? This is, we have to make ourselves make sense to people, especially living in a social media world and like, you know, uh, everything's so short form. It's like, we want to condense ourselves into just like a 30 second reel. It's like, here you guys go. Like, this is who I am. And I, I struggled with that a lot because I felt like not only did I come out of the closet, you know, with my sexual identity, but I felt like many times in my life, I've also had to come out of the closet. So the sexual identity, I had to come out of the closet as an artist. I felt like, you know, I had built my academic career and my professional career and people just knew me as business Chris, but then he's like, also the sexy pop star. I felt like Hannah Montana where I'm like going to my corporate media company and then I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm performing in West Hollywood tonight. And like, so that also, I had to do that, do that journey. But most recently, just also coming out of the spiritual closet, I think has been a big, big one. Just like mm-hmm. being more open with, you know, my my passion for self-development and spirituality, um, which was not a hidden part of me, but I also felt conflicted with my my identity as an artist and my identity uh, as a business person. And like, I didn't want to alienate other people and whatnot. So I think like the big piece, as you're saying, Laura, is like, um, that that acceptance of of everything who I get to be in this world, like this multi hyphenate, like that that's actually the authentic piece, right? Because it's like what makes it so interesting is that oh, on one end he has like you know sexy pop songs like talking about macking on some boys, and then at this other end he's speaking about like higher consciousness from like the greats and ancient spiritualism. Like it's it to me that that tension ad- adds that dynamism and then also um similar to both of you is like then also moving that energy into something tangible whether it is activism or social impact or business i think that that's um what people even in the higher consciousness community they forget there's this like there's almost like this badge of honor of like being this amorphous spirit but it's like wait 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 a second we're all having a human experience where um, all having a physical experience. And how does that spiritual energy move in the spaces and in the realms of business and politics and the arts like and media? Like that's where I think it gets really interesting um, and to actually really ground it and anchor it into, the, into uh, what we're here to do. And so I actually have a friend who his book is coming out soon. Uh, he, uh, he's actually the brand strategist, uh, head of brand strategy at Reddit. Uh, but he's also a mystic. And so he's written this amazing book called The Way Up North. And wow. it's fusing together marketing and all of the mysticism. And and it, it, and he's he, him and I were having this amazing conversation. He was like, yeah, I feel like my character that I chose was a tech bro. But then I but then I showed this part of me. And I was like, he's like, you're the you're the pop star and I'm the tech bro. And it's like, I think that that's the coolest part is that um, I actually part of the mission that I have now and the, the communities that I'm building in the space is to dismantle the spiritual template and to, um, mm-hmm. that it doesn't, you doesn't have to look a certain way is that you can be a spiritual leader mm-hmm. in fashion, you know, in medicine, whatever it means. Like if your purpose is here to, to extend more love, love on the planet, then that, that can look any which way. Powerful, powerful, powerful. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you.
Um, and I also wanted to say too, just like, I mean, obviously like this is like a new friendship and bond that's forming and thank you guys for both having me. But I, I, the one thing that I love and that really activates me are other people who are not only allowing themselves to be visible, that's like part one, but using their voice. And I feel like both of you guys do that mm. so powerfully. And um, that is a, another piece of this journey of, of activation, right? Is that oftentimes, depending on how you look or whatever conditioning or even family conditioning, it's we're, te we're taught to kept to be kept small, to like not stand out and to, you know, not shine our light. And to me, it's, it's just so powerful that even as you have this platform, this, this uh, podcast, it's, it's really helping, helping us all shine our light. So kudos to both of you. <laughs> Oh my goodness, Chris. This is so, so fruitful. Thank you so much for saying this. I also have this question that came up throughout um, some something you had said along, along the lines of manifestation, but do you ever see something on TikTok or like Instagram that you feel like, okay, that's not what manifestation is? Or are there things about your spiritual journey that you'd like to debunk um, that you've seen on social media say otherwise? Or yeah, I think there's this there's this term called spiritual capitalism, which it's like you know, which again was naturally going to happen. I, I call it the McDonald's of manifesting, which is totally not bad mm. at all. I think that that's how we all start. So like, I have a friend who's who's she's been in the space for ten years, and she would say, uh, manifestation is the gateway towards spiritual awakening. So this idea that as you start to be curious about manifesting your desires, now there's this, at least there's this intention or this hypothesis that, hey, my thoughts, emotions, feelings um, can create. So when, when someone is like, instead of thinking the reversal of like, I'm a victim of life and, you know, I'm a product of circumstance and I have no control, which is fully being spiritually disempowered. There's a curiosity that it's like, hey, if I say these affirmations, I can get some money or I'm going to get that guy, like that specific one. Like, you know, so I think it's not bad at all. Like, that's totally how my journey started, where it was like, wait a second, like I'm showing up to a nine to five, I'm clocking in, I'm punching in, I'm listening to authority. I naturally had this like uh, dissonance between me and listening to people. I was just like, no, my soul does not. Does that does not resonate? My uh, my friend uh, has this uh, phrase that her grandma would say. It was like, "Eat the chicken, spit out the bones." So having that discernment of like, no, I'm not going to listen to that. Um, yeah, that resonates. Okay, cool. I'll take that part, reject that part. So I was naturally good just doing that. And then I think um, what really kind of activated the spiritual awakening for me was that. Um, yeah, you, you will have a desire. So desire in Latin means of the father. So a lot of people uh, in the past would think that desires were uh, spiritual in a sense, that not only were they granted by God, is that they were put there. So Oprah is very similar in this, and she always says that um, she's not dreaming. It's God's, her life is an expression of God dreaming through her. And so I think that our desires are naturally there. They're put there. To help us expand and to become one's most self. And so 
I think the desire for expansion in your business, wealth, a relationship, any of those things are all good. I think what happens with social media, because it's a soundbite, is that we we want to um, leverage spiritual tools to just get the thing, which is totally fine. And I'm not saying you can't do that. But what I know deeper within me is every time I did that, I had to break my attachment to the thing, which is more Eastern in that I had to like dissolve my attachment to wanting that thing so bad or identifying with something mm-hmm. so bad that um, naturally that I become, you know, detached from it so that it can actually come into my life. And so for me, relationships were definitely my spiritual cu- curriculum in this, in this life. I feel like my soul was like, I'm going to go to earth school and I'm going to major in relationships. And so that's been the, the, the learning ground for a lot of my uh, spiritual lessons for sure. So I stumbled upon something recently that's honestly changed my mornings for the better. Have you ever heard of Magic Mind? Well, before I was guzzling down coffee like there was no tomorrow. But now I just pop open this little green shot with my first cup of matcha in the morning It's got a surprisingly good taste and just slides right into my usual morning routine. Being as swamped as I am, it has been a freaking game changer. Seriously, give Magic Mind a go. It's become my little morning magic trick. Go to www.magicmind.co forward slash conscious kitchen and get up to 56% off your subscription for the next 10 days with our code CKPODCAST. See you there. And tell me a little bit about this attachment piece, um, because you mentioned, right, like this this non-attachment to like the things that we really, truly want. And so when it comes to chasing our dreams, you know, whether it be you want to be an artist, you want to be like um, a successful entrepreneur, tell me what that balance looks like between the hustle and the grind and also non-attachment. Oh, my God. This is such a good, good question. Um Yes. So, so, um, in, in Buddhism, one of the popular phrases that, um, seeking is all forms of suffering. Um, but it's not, it's not necessarily about the desire. It's about the attachment to desire. So in my belief system, Mm -hmm. I believe that desire in itself is pure. However, it's our ego's identification with the desire, uh, meaning to say, that unless it has that circumstance on the outside, it won't be peaceful with it. Part of being in the spiritual awakening is, is being really anchored and grounded and being able to cultivate your peace. And so for me, it's like, you know, if I were, if the person that I was interested in in relationship was acting a certain way, well, then now I'm completely codependent on that person um, because now I'm controlled, I'm attached to that person and, and my peace. A, a lot of people will experience this in work life or with finances, right? It's like there's certain conditions that have to be there on the external uh, reality in order for them to be internally peaceful. And so what happens in the spiritual awakening is that we start to Uh, become consciously aware of what these attachments are. And so another big attachment that people have are the role that they're playing. So they're basically the vanity of who they are, right? So uh, success Mm. could be an attachment or like uh, having a, a certain level of status in your business career or things like that, where it's like, if those things went away, then suddenly 
people would feel a, a complete loss of identity. It wouldn't be like, oh, I just like lost a pencil. It would feel like you lost like your your uh, like a bar of gold or something, something so valuable that your identity is uh, connected to it. And so what happens in the spiritual awakening is that um, you go through experiences in which um, you you start to detach. And, and part of, of what, to your question, Kim, is it's almost like this is the, the secret sauce, but <laughs> how we get there is like our own individual path. But it's it's if we could just hold our desire with an open hand and it's like almost like a butterfly, just like kind of in the hand and we're not crushing it. We're not grasping at it. We're not closing the fist. It's just there. And then the desire gets to softly be there. And, and I think that that's really, um, you know, for me earlier on in my music career, I was so identified. I was like, Oh my God, well, those people have all that success or I want to be this level or, you know, it was very like kind of what you were saying, uh, the hustle was, it was well-intentioned, but it was, um, my, my self-worth was also connected to it. And that's what had to happen was that I had to untangle my self-worth. Uh, I couldn't no longer seek, uh, seek my own uh, approval or validation in a, in a partner or in a business or in how successful or how much money in the bank I had at that moment, because those are all the, um, I guess the levers of capitalism that that basically they have control of us based on uh, how well we think we're doing based on that blueprint is how good we're going to feel about ourselves in any good given moment. A spiritual awakening mm -hmm. is really coming into that spiritual identity of oneness where you lack nothing. You are whole and complete as you are. And so as you step into that full fullness of who you are, then the desire just gets to be there. It gets to be play. And so I actually love the post that you talked about. Um, uh, you posted a couple days ago around play. Um, I had this mastermind of 30 entrepreneurs around the world, and it was called the Play Mastermind. And it was really about this philosophy of really activating that, that mentality that we are here to enjoy life. Like we're here to... to um, celebrate life, to decorate it, to honor it, and to bask in it. And I think that um, the, if you want to call it the patriarchy or whatever power structures that exist, what they've done so successfully is that they've separated us, they've fragmented us from play. And everything is now very serious. And in the seriousness is a low frequency, and you transcend that frequency by moving into joy, passion, enthusiasm. And so as we are separated from those high frequencies or low frequencies, um, we're separated from the divine. And so this is like the big piece is that the the divine is in the play. So when you could just be like, oh my God, I get to be a pop star this, you know, the, in this lifetime, or I get to do this, or, you know, I get to build a business. As you then get to go on the adventure, it's like going on a road trip. That's where the manifestations happen because you're in that high frequency of receiving and it doesn't mean that you're not working hard, but it's like, I don't know if you've seen a Beyonce documentary, but like, oh my God, Beyonce is like, she's so lit up by source. Like she's so lit up. She, like she has that feel in her where she's like editing her own music video on the plane in one of her documentaries. And it's like, yeah, because when you have that creative energy just surging through you, it seems like you're working, but it's so fun. And that's where we want to be is not where we're like, so fatigued and exhausted and like 
you know, for me, it was like adhering to like patriarchy. And I'm like, if I don't push harder or my like, you know, Filipino mm. conditioning, I, I need to level the playing field and I need to make sure that I, I get to the top, blah, blah, blah. And, but what am I doing? I'm exploiting and I'm self-sacrificing in order to get there. It doesn't feel good. Um, and so I think mm-hmm. uh, part of, to your question, is really this union of co-creation. And so when you bring the divine into business, then you're co-creating. And again, going back to the Oprah metaphor is that God's uh, dream for us to fulfill our purpose isn't separate from the ones that we have in ourselves, like our dreams for ourselves, it's the same. And so now I realize that, okay, I can be supported. Actually, I, me and my business partner, we, I, I say, oh yeah, God's our chief marketing officer. So we don't have to worry about clients. Like he can go and figure it out. Like he can bring us the flow of clients and it always works out. So incredible, incredible. Uh, Chris, so, I mean, there's so many beautiful things you touched on. Um, you know, we're talking about the blueprint of manifestation, go into play, go into more joy, tap into the divine, the connectivity that we all are coursing on in the, in the whole universe. How do you get back to that once you've hit a low point in mm. your, in your week or, you know, in your season or, you know, things like that? How does someone, how does someone like get out of that hole to get back into that, that, that joyous spirit? Oh my God. I love this question. And it also, um, ladders back to, uh, the, what you had said earlier, Kim around, um, debunking. And I think that that's another piece uh, around spirituality or spiritual community is this toxic positivity and this idea that like, Mm. we just throw pink paint over our pain and it's like, we just put a bandaid over it. It's fine. Like nothing to see here. Oh, it's a Hello Kitty bandaid. So it's okay. Like everything's great. Like, um, I have some Hello Kitty band-aids. So I thought about that, but, um, uh, yeah, I think really what what we become are really phenomenal space holders. Um, Eckhart Tolle, he calls it presence. Ram Das calls it loving awareness. I actually love that definition, but your true identity is loving awareness. And so when you can be a space holder and to witness and to hold space for your pain, emotion is energy in motion. So that energy needs to move. And so as we're having these bouts of grief, of sadness, of stuckness, of apathy, any of these like low frequencies, it's to not judge it. It's to be loving awareness and to say, you know, this belongs. Like uh, you talked about earlier, Kim, the shadow. It's not this like, oh, I need to heal my shadow and fix it. Again, that's how we've appropriated it. And we've seen spiritual awakening as a task. It's no, how can I meet my shadow with love? that's the biggest piece. It's like, how do I love myself more when I'm feeling jealous? Or how do I love myself more when I'm feeling not enough? Or when that boy hasn't texted me back? Or, you know, when money's running low? Like that is the, that is the elixir, is loving yourself through it all and being the loving witness to everything that comes up in the human experience. The thing that I want to say to everyone, which I think is so powerful and why we can actually... Um, have judgment towards our negative experience is that uh, all of the contrast experience is what helps actually fuel and create the manifestation. It's 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 this uh, experience of duality of what we're here to to be and to experience. It's like we're in you know 3D consciousness, whereas in 5D consciousness, it's just pure love and light, like right. But here we're experiencing all of the textures and and all of the 
uh, dissonance, right? And so that contrast experience is actually the power and the platform through which you you uh, shape your new desire. And so a good example you can wa- I've watched like since the pandemic, maybe like forty music documentaries as a music artist, and um, I was looking for like patterns within all the artists of like what they all embody from David Bowie to Madonna to Rihanna to Nicki Minaj. And basically they all went through some experience in which like maybe in that like darkness, we we could call it is when they birthed their icon. Like, you know, it was like, that's where they were born. And it's like Nicki Minaj lived in a basement, like Lizzo lived in her car, like Oprah lived in her car. And I'm like, hopefully none of us have to go to that depth, but, uh, you know, even in the Paris Hilton documentary, she's, um, she's held at, at this, uh, institution where she's being abused as a teen. And while she's in solitary confinement, it shows this, uh, animation of her basically manifesting, like creating the vision of who she would be when she left that facility. So I think that mm-hmm. there are moments in our darkness, um, uh, Ram Dass calls it where suffering is grace. And so in our suffering, mm. that's where we meet the divine. And Rumi also says is that the light enters through the wound. And so like there are these parts in us where, you know, I, I'm a little bit like masochistic and I love the heartbreak. I love to kind of sulk. I'm a Pisces. And so like there, there's times where I just kind of have to be like, okay, Chris, wrap it up. You know, we gave you two hours to cry. Okay. Let's go like take a shower now and go to the Grove. And I think that that's the other thing too, is like, is that we hold space for our, our emotions and for them to move. And then we have boundaries, right? Like that's one that I'm practicing with myself. Mm. Boundaries of like being like, okay, here's a container for me to to feel my emotions. But if you have no boundaries, then we feel like we'll be absorbed by them or we'll be consumed by them. And so having those boundaries of being like, sometimes I'll literally be like, okay, you get to cry and you get to feel and like journal and get it all out of your system. And then we're going to go get like ice cream or like noodle soup or something and make you feel better. Like that's, that's the other piece of it. Beautiful. Thank you so much for answering that. That was, yeah, so powerful. And, and your, and your work through coaching is so powerful. And, and why do you think, you know, people, all your clients, all the people you touch, your, your network, your community, why is it so important for people to have an empowerment coach? Like, like, obviously you can get, you know, sound bites from TikTok or Instagram. And, you know, we're so lucky to have that type of information at us at our fingertips now, but, but why one-to-one? Yes. Um, I, I say this all the time is that Olympians have coaches and, you know, Elon Musk has a mindset coach, like all of them do. And I think it's really this idea of when you're working intimately with somebody, there actually isn't space. Like a lot of the clients that I work with, they're investors or high performance entrepreneurs, or they're working in the celebrity space on some level. And, you know, they're high achievers on the physical realm. There isn't really a soft place for them to land when it comes to revealing their inner world, right? Like even in therapy, therapy I see as um, archaeology. It's like going into the past, whereas coaching is architecture. It's like, what are we building? You know, I don't go to my therapist. Well, I do. I'm like, I want this and I'm going to do it. But most people go to therapy to go and fix something. But usually, you know, coaching is now the space or 
uh, self-development work, any of that like expansion work is like, how do I get very deliberate about what I'm creating, knowing that that conscious power exists within me? And so now what is the, what am I here to do? And I think that when you can have that um, in the same way that you have a personal trainer, right? You have that individualized intent, intent, uh, attention to help you design that life that you're wanting to create for yourself. What, what, it, what is so powerful is that with me and my clients is that like, I can hold a blind spot to them and I, you know, and see them and help reflect the parts of them that they're not seeing. And very similarly, they do that with me, which is really powerful. So I think it's that, um, that process of really kind of going deep. And so, yeah, you did mention like, you know, it's so great that we have, you know, TikTok and all of these other uh, virtual platforms and, and, and tools um, to, to receive the, the knowledge and the information. But I think the other piece of it is actually it's the work. It's like when you're working intimately, it's that depth through which you get to empty yourself, so to speak. And, you know, a lot of people, they, they see people that are millionaires or like making X amount of dollars in their business. And like I said, they're focused on like the shiny object. They didn't realize what did that person have to do inside to become a match to the million? You know, what did they have to do on the inside to, uh, to transcend their money wounds or, you know, the, the conditioning of their family or their society or their, their skin color, like any of these things that tell them they can't in order to become a vibrational match to the thing that they desired. And so when people get very curious about that work, um, then you get to shift. And I think the biggest, uh, the biggest thing that I've seen, uh, just which I think is so gratifying, is that the people that are more crystallized and cemented in a mission, holy cow, you cannot stop someone with a mission. And that's where it's like, you can have desires, but we know desires are fleeting, right? And it's like, okay, I want that and blah, blah, blah. But when your mission is here for something that's not only um, for you, but for others, that mission is what drives people to actually transform. I always say that transformation is a spiritual invitation. It's this like calling, right? And so when you mm -hmm. are mission on mission, that and and I think connecting deeper from a soul's perspective. So a lot of like, for instance, this investor client that I work with, like, you know, managed a hedge fund has been very successful for decades, but then it was like there was no mission. It was like I can't like mm -hmm. make Wall Street white dudes more money. Like, what's the point? Like, and the second he's aligned with a mission, it's like, oh my god! Like, it's having energy for days. And I think that that's the other piece is like. How do we clear out some of the shoulds and has tos and musts in order to get deeper into a mission that your soul is calling you toward? And and then then the manifestations just kind of come in. Beautiful. Chris, you are like mirroring my my ideas. So thank you so much. I'm for so excited. That. I know. I actually just saw the the her why video that you'd posted. And I'm just like, I'm I love being in the company of other fabulous like activated souls that are here doing amazing work like both of you and so uh I, again I'm, I'm fanboying at the same time so <laughs> <laughs> yeah thank you Chris babe I want to know your like your morning ritual for manifestation your week-long ritual for manifestation like what is your secret blueprint 
um, because you have been doing so much work and learning from so many others. You you also are a service to. It's like, what is your blueprint? I want to know. Uh, we want to know. The listeners yes. want to know. Yes. Um, so I think like what's really interesting, like when I went when I first started my spiritual awakening, I, you know, you just you turn on Oprah Super Soul Sunday and you just start to be like, oh my God, you're just in this state of like questioning and seeking, right? Which is like so powerful. And like, um, I think now really what it comes into as you come into higher states of consciousness is that your your relationship to your inner world is more defined than ever. Some people describe this as like following your intuition. So I've, I've become very practiced at like listening to my soul and my heart. And there's this teacher named uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza. And what he, he talks about is heart-mind coherence. And so we're conditioned in, in this life to believe our thoughts. And on a certain level of ego consciousness, we think we are our thoughts. So we think we're our mind. We, we're not, we don't believe that we're the awareness that's observing our thoughts. We believe that we are the thoughts. However, there encased in this beautiful thing called the heart is soul. The soul is the portal to the unmanifested. And so when people can trust, can be more practiced, and I don't mean uh, listening to your emotions, uh, that, that could be impulsivity. I'm listening to your heart. There's a stillness. So the Course in Miracles says that the ego speaks first and loudest, and that you have to wait and listen for the small, still voice for God. That is your heart. That is the part. So the ego, let's just say, here's an example where it's like, I want to make a million dollars this year. So the ego will speak first and be like, are you stupid? You're never going to make that. Or how are you going to do that? It's going to go into the how. It's going to go into the doubt that that's not going to happen. All of those conditioned beliefs. And then when you wait for that still small voice, you're like, yes, I know this is possible. You know, this is meant for me, what I can do. To, for that, to invest back in my business and my communities and my family with that money, you start to come into that more expanded state. That is actually the truth, but we've been conditioned to think that the mind knows all. And the mind uh, in Eastern philosophy, what they say is a, uh, it's a great servant, but a terrible master. So the, if the mind is the master, uh, then I think we have some problems because it depends on what programming the mind has absorbed. So the, the mind is like a computer that's uh, programmed. What you, what you go into the spiritual awakening journey is that you start to introduce new programs, not these autopilot programs that we've uh, absorbed since childhood, like scarcity, lack, um, fear, all of those programs that we've absorbed. Now we have to introduce new programs into this higher state of consciousness. Going back to your question, the simplest way to do that is meditation, um, is to bring stillness into your life. And, you know, for me, I'm a super creative. So I do do like still meditation or just like sitting there and, and you know, really emptying. But honestly, presence is another experience of that. It's like anything that brings you here in this full, in the fullness of this moment is a form of meditation for people that could be walking in nature that could be dancing. Dancing is a big one for me. Um, it's uh, just playing with a dog or playing with a child that brings you instantly here in the present moment. And when you can get very focused in your thoughts, what you're doing is you're building attitudinal muscles. So um, 
in the same way that you go to the gym to build strength and do strength training to build your muscles, we need attitudinal muscles because uh, what happens is that when when our mind uh, isn't disciplined, where we then get very reactive. So you know, we'll get a text and where we're just like, I shouldn't respond to this text. We fire off a response, you know, or you know, mm-hmm. um, we get an email from work and you know we instantly get triggered instead of like being able to like hold space between us and our environment. And so I think that in the meditation, what you're doing is that you're, I, I, I talk about it like it's like um, a dead iPhone battery is that we're not charging. Um, is that we, we are basically, we have this infinite source uh, to charge and basically, and this kind of goes back to your, to your uh, previous comment, Kim, it's like, we're kind of stuck in the hamster wheel of hustle, go, 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 check my social media, got to post, got to do this. And we're hooked into the matrix. And so the more space that you can create between you and the matrix and all of the, the dense frequencies of the matrix and can uh, strengthen your, your frequency, then you can move throughout your day and be less affected by what your mom says or like that nagging friend or that the guy didn't text you back. It's like you've built, you've built more of this connection to self. And I think that to me, that's one piece that I think is so important. And then the second one that I want to get to is I honestly, this has been hard, but it's been, I would say like a lifelong process in the making, but for sure in the last seven years, I've learned to become my own best friend. Like, it doesn't mean that I'm not available for others or, you know, that I, I'm, I'm alone or anything. It actually means that I've, I understand that my relationship to myself is going to inform energetically, vibrationally, all of my relationships with others. And so even though I will still have those days where it's like, you know, I could be hard on myself or I can judge myself or whatever, I have a quicker response time to bringing in love. And just being like, you know what, Chris, we didn't know about that. Oh, we we lost that money. It's okay, Chris. Like, you know, it's really meeting myself with love and just like um, in that sense, like it's uh, what we're here to do as God is to, uh, to ex- experience love through ourselves, through our own life. And so I I get to practice that that love for myself. It, it, again, this is being you know, a queer kid, someone who dealt with like passive suicidality, like every day as a kid. And let's say in my early teens, just being, I never like, um, I never like attempted suicide, but I, um, you know, I lived with this dark cloud of like, the world would just probably be better if I didn't exist. And I kind of just like had that, that cloud around me. And so to transcend that to the point now where I'm like, the world needs you your light is important. Like you are, you matter. Like you get to do amazing things and impact a lot of people through you just being you, just me basically affirming that love within myself. And again, it's a discipline. It's not, I actually want to do a video about this, about how like self-love isn't something you just claim one and done. It's something that every time you are met with hardship, you are committing to yourself that I'm going to love myself through this. And even if I drop the ball and I was hard on myself, then I'm going to say, you know what? I forgive myself and I'm going to try again. And that is the strongest muscle that any of us could have in this new earth is as leaders is to embody the love within ourselves 
and and to create more compassionate relationships with ourselves. So I think that that's the ultimate spiritual uh, spiritual routine. Amazing, Chris. Yes. You really. This has probably been the best sermon and podcast <laughs> of the whole season. So I yeah. know sometimes we love you. Like, Thank you. know, glittery pastor energy, which I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Awesome. Chris, you know, um, I think, I think, uh, your work is so powerful, both. I mean, Kim and your work is so powerful. So, you know, the podcast, we just want to be able to get these stories up and for you to have a sound, a sound wave to people around the world to hear what you have to say. So thank you so much for your work. Oh my God. And you know, honestly, I feel like coming into the conscious kitchen, like coming into these like sacred spaces, whether it's through a podcast or just like you know, on the internet or whatnot, like that is so important is that these safe spaces don't necessarily exist for people to be fully expressed. And like, I'm here vibing with you guys. And I think that this is like my favorite podcast that I've ever been on because I feel like there's that like ability for me to like be fully me. And I think that um, as we, as we all commingle in that energy, it just, it just contagious. Everyone wants to like, then, you know, shine their light. So thank you guys for creating the space for sure. Oh my goodness, Chris, it has been such a pleasure, honor, and a joy to listen to you speak again. Like, and I will say, um, um, I don't, I also want to make sure anyone listening knows where to find you knows your work. Um, I know that you have your own podcast, Spiritualized. Where can people find the podcast and where can people find you and how can they work with you? Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, yes, I need to have y'all on the Spiritualized podcast. So we get to trade and I want to hear more of your stories and dive in. So um, yes, that podcast, Spiritualized with an S, S-P-I. R-I-T-U-A-L-I-S-E-D is on all platforms. And we have 13 episodes uh, with spiritual leaders like Gay Hendricks and Ken Honda, authors. And we have a bunch of new authors coming out in uh, upcoming episodes. So we're excited about that. And um, right now, what I'm really passionate about, I'm building this a spiritual community called The Spiritual Leader, which is really mobilizing. I call them the spiritual Avengers, but uh, people that are are activated in some uh, some part of them to now become more visible, more visible than ever with their message and with their voice. And so um, creating that next generation of spiritual leaders uh, on the planet is, is something that I'm super passionate about so that we can all collectively co-create and collaborate together. Um, yeah, follow me on Instagram at Sir Chris Saint, and you'll just see my crazy life and all the fun stuff that goes into it. It again, it's like seemingly like um, disparate, but I, I think now what I, I feel is like it all. There is people that have said, "Oh, I've been following you for years," but like you've always felt this way to me, and I think it was just my own block of thinking that thing like things didn't belong, and then like. You get to like love the Barbie movie as obsessively as me or like Zac Efron or whatever. And you also still get to be a spiritual leader and you also get to like have sound, you know, psycho- like psychological advice. And you also get to be an activist. Like I, I think. Yes. Thing, so. Yes. Okay, guys. Well, you heard it here first. 
Be sure to like and subscribe. And if you really love this episode, go ahead and share this with a friend right this moment. Copy the hyperlink, drop it to a friend in a text or email, and we would love for you to support the podcast by subscribing. All right, guys. Thank you guys so much for joining the Conscious Kitchen podcast today. And we love y'all. Bye, guys. Love you. See you guys. Bye. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you.